December 7th, and this is the first show of the DW Experience, my show. Um, I'm excited. I am full of, of a lot of energy and emotion, um, but I just want to first say thank you to everybody leading up to this point. Um, shout out to Walt B. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and shout out to the Dante Show. Um, special shout out and huge thank you uh, to, to my boss, uh, the Anointed Radio Network led by Pastor Jay Calhoun. Um, I want to just thank you so much. We actually met a year ago at the Stellar Awards, and, and we were just talking, and, and I was just picking his brain, and we were talking about the industry, and um, he invited me to be on the show a while back, um, but I was working, and my schedule um, just wouldn't permit, so it didn't happen. Um, and then covid the pandemic, I, you know, everything came about and everything changed and shut down. And for me, um, it was just really like a reset, a redirection. And so I, I hit Pastor Jay up and I said, hey, I got time. You know, whenever you need me on the show, um, I would love to be on the show. And he said, do you want a show? And I said, well, sure, let's do it. And um, honestly, some years, years later, because this has been in the work and in my in, in my prayers and thoughts and ideas to do. Um, and here we are December 7th, 2020 on the first episode of the DW Experience. So um, this is gonna be really exciting. Um, a lot of great stuff coming up. I wanna just share with you, um, this evening really started about a year ago um, when a wonderful friend of mine, shout out to Angie Fisher, who has two great singles out. Please look that up out there. Um, you know, she just hit me up and we were just talking about having an open mic and that really turned into the DW experience. She was my first guest, um, first artist. Um, and we had people like Danny Boy, um, shout out to Danny Boy in Chicago now, Angie Fisher, um, Avir, shout out to Avir and his new single, Bulletproof. Um, who else did we have? Carla Marie, Kiss, um, Joseph Piggy, um, so many people I'm gonna get in trouble for naming. Um, shout out to Markevious Faulkner, an amazing artist, um, an amazing um, genius, just, just leading the people. So I'm just really excited about that and we are gonna talk about some great things. So 
my my boss asked me, are you going to have a guest? Are you going to, who's going to be the first person that you interview? And I said, you know what, on this show tonight, I want the people to get to know me. I want the people to get to know their host. And, and also I want to bring on my co-host. And first of all, I apologize. You know, some people are like, why didn't you tell me about this? You know, I would have told more people, surprise, we're here. You know, you'll get to see this on the replay. You'll get to see this tonight. And I want to introduce you to my co-host. Um, she is an author. She is a life coach mother of six that is resilient that has overcome so much i hit her up you know i prayed about it and i was like you know hey would you be interested in being my coach and i wasn't sure what she was gonna say and she said yes so without further ado ladies and gentlemen please welcome shakita lawanda did i get there shakita lawanda welcome How are you? Welcome. Doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. No complaints. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome as my co-host. I'm excited to have you here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. You're you're a part of this, this whole experience. This is this is the beginning, and I'm really looking forward. Shout out to Dave Becker, and shout out to everybody watching. Share with your friends. Tag somebody. Um, I'm really looking forward. Here's my here's my my thought, my prediction. A year from now, we are going to look back at this first show and go, "Wow, look where we've come from." Right. I okay. Agree. I agree. So, so um, just so the people can meet you, you are an author. I am. What is the name of your book? The Unbroken Train to Be Broken. Okay. And it's about? It is my life story and uh, a lot of the things that taught me to hate myself okay. and lessons that I learned behind it, especially um, dealing with uh, domestic violence. And so I just wanted to use my book as my introduction to the world to show people that, you know, they're not alone um, when they go through experiences like this and put it, you know, get it to where I can't reach personally. I'm, that, that's really, I'm, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show. We, we've talked, you know, uh, gone to lunch and we've talked a lot of times just about um, regular situations that people face and sometimes they feel alone or they feel like no one really understands. And that's really the goal with this show is not just to come out here and, and be another gossip show or, or be another a show that's just talking about subjects, but really with the goal in mind, like I really just wanted people to leave with this with some, some nuggets, some enlightenment, right? So I know that you are a mother of six. I am. And looking at you, I would not know that you are a mother of six. So where are you from, you know, uh, mother of six? Tell us a little bit about that and what brought you to this place. Um, well, I wouldn't exactly say this was the path that I chose. Um, but, you know, whenever you're dealing with something, you kind of just play the hand you dealt. And uh, uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, um, and I was married before, uh, we had three girls together. We got a divorce, um, got a divorce. 
I just I chose me. I chose to love me instead of putting up with um, the infidelity and everything else. And then I had my boys with my second ex-husband. And that was where um, I experienced domestic violence. So I had to leave that too. So this journey has been one full of lessons. Um, at first I used to ask God, what, what, why me? <laughs> you know, why is this happening to me? Like, why can't I get past this? And God is like, well, why not you? And um, my children are with their dads right now. And I asked God to just show me me, heal up the parts of me that still is that little girl that's hurting or crying out. And he told me in, in one of my many tantrums, he was like, you know, everything that I went through broke his heart. He did not mean for that to happen to me. Mm -hmm. But people have free will, both whether they want to do what's right or not, we have the free will. But he said he kept me until it was time for me to heal up this little girl in me and everything that I've been experiencing. So that way, once I start to heal, I can share it with the other people because he, he has seen that he can trust me to share my ugly truths with the world. And it's been mind blowing since. So yeah. it's been a blessing. Um, it's been a blessing. And I just really had to shift my perspective of how I was looking at things. Cause you know, healing from a broken heart and everything like that, it's, it's not fun and it's not easy, but he definitely has, has showed me a lot of the reasons why I was experiencing what I've experienced. I, I love that answer. And, um, you know, with, with the future shows, we're going to have artists, we, we will have celebrities. But the beautiful thing, I love what you said about so you could show other people. I think with the DW experience, even with the open mics and sharing the talent, what I'm learning to share is that at the end of the day, we are all human. Right. Whether you are the president, you know, whether you are the janitor, whether you are an accomplished singer, traveled around the world, and whether you are a, a stay-at-home mom or or just the regular working dad that we all experience some sort of pain. And I, I had a chance, I was listening to a talk show earlier, um, and he really pointed out to me, anybody that's gone through divorce, it is a life-changing experience that you're, you're never the same afterwards. You know, a lot of people who aren't in it, it's like, well, just leave, just go. But they don't understand the, the process, that, that, that perspective, that just shift in who you are. Because for marriage, it's like, so death to a part, part. you know, no one goes into marriage um, thinking that this is going to be it or this is going to be over. And then also with the domestic violence that I'm looking forward to, to talk about, you know, I see Dave gone through two, through two divorces, totally, you know, and my, my heart goes out to you because unless you've gone through it, um, you really don't know what that experience is like. Um, and also, you know, a little bit about me introducing to everyone. Um, a lot of you know, I was born in Canada. If you don't, I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, to a lovely registered nurse lady. Her name was Desdemona. Um, and I grew up in the suburbs of Southern California. Um, and for me, my changing moment, um, really my mom passed in 2014. 
And that was a, a defining moment um, because that was all really I knew in terms of life and how I was directing life. And when she passed, um, I had faced a really deep depression and really anything that I thought could go wrong had, had already went wrong. And that was when I decided I was going to move to Vegas. I had no intention of going into entertainment. I had no intention of, of singing again or, or doing anything within the arts. I had really lost the love for it and really just wanted to move forward and come to Vegas and have a little job, save up money and retire and, and call it a day. And of course, um, life would have things a different direction. But really what I've learned right now, Shakita, is that we can make our plan, right? But it's like God has this bigger plan. And I saw this meme um, that said, you know, black people will say that God closed the door, um, but really they just got fired. And, you know, it's really that perspective, right? You know, because if I, I, I got fired from my job, I didn't ask to be fired. I wasn't late or I didn't steal anything. Although I will say for those who got fired because it was their fault, nothing truly happens by accident, but there is a course. So really, if I hadn't got let go from my job, this would not be happening right now. Right. So there's purpose in everything. Tonight, we are just, um, we're going to let the audience get to know us. Um, I, I, I shot you uh, some questions. Did you get my, my questions I sent you? Yes, I did. Okay. So we're going to play 21 questions tonight. But before we get into that, I'm going to ask the question because I introduced you as Shakita Lawanda. Okay. <laughs> so that is, a, that is a unique name to where did Lawanda come from? Is that tell me who is Shakita Lawanda? Shakita Lawanda is me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, yeah, I was I was actually talking to a really really sweet person, and um, he said Shakita Lawanda is you. And I looked at him just like, first off, it's ghetto, but you know I've I've been feeling that way my whole life. And part of the reason why I was ashamed of it was because um, it was attacked. Well, it's my mom's name. Her mm -hmm. name is Wanda, and they were calling me Little Wanda. And so <laughs> it turned into Lawanda. And so it's mm -hmm. okay. Um, but the pain that was associated with trying to connect from it and try not to be like her and everything else, and in doing so, Book one, I ran into a lot of experiences that she's experienced. And two, I was just denying who God made me to be. So it took one friend checking me because last name Andrews, I married into that. That is not my last name. And I won't be carrying it on till my my dying days. I just won't. Um, however, I refuse to go back to my maiden name. I have said that to many people. Um, just because of the pain. There's so much pain that was attached to it. I didn't want to go back to it. And that I probably will never do. But I'm learning and to embrace and love the parts of me that, you know, I feel others may dislike, but, you know, who cares? Because at the end of the day, I have to go to sleep and wake up to myself. And if I don't love myself, then how can I accept God's love for me? And how can I love somebody else? 
you hit it right on the head. No, that was that was so good because literally I've been listening to this um ser- uh, this uh, series um, from Pastor Michael Todd about forgiveness, and I was just thinking today on my walk, like you know, a lot of people say, you know, I forgive, I forgive, you know, I love you, you know, but it, it, it's like I forgive, but I, I don't love that person. I love them, but I gotta love them from a distance, and it's like. You know, how can we say we love someone who we haven't seen, right? Or how can we say we love somebody like we love them on a good day, but on the bad day, you know, we don't love them. And it's like, okay, well, what's up with that? That That's not, you know, the case. So you embracing that, I think, you know, that's a message for everyone out there. I don't know who needs to hear it, but it's time for you to embrace yourself, all of you. Like that's something I'm learning to do. Um, I have a story about my last name. We will tell that on another show, um, but we definitely have something in, in common in regards to names. Yeah. <laughs> so we are gonna play 21 questions, right? So I, I taught you the 21 questions. I have the 21 questions. Um, mm-hmm. What, what I'm going to do is um, I'll pick a, a number between 1 and 21. I'll go first, and okay. I'll let you go second, and okay. um, we'll, we'll talk some questions. All right. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Now, I, I picked the questions, but I haven't looked at them, so I don't know what the questions are either. This is all, this can be go either really, really well, or this can go viral. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I am going to pick, uh, I'm going to choose 11. Okay. Let's see what 11 says. What are you most likely very wrong about? Ooh. I saw that question. I didn't want to um, answer that one. That That's a good one. What am I really wrong about? I have been really wrong. I've been really wrong about offense. I've been really wrong about offense. Um, And uh, if some of you saw my live earlier, um, I had a moment where I had reached out to, to my biological brother from my mom. And we haven't talked for six years since my mom's funeral. So it was his birthday and I was like, I'm gonna reach out and we're gonna have this great ending. And I you know, called and left the voicemail, wished him a happy birthday. And he texted me back later on that night and basically told me not to contact him again. And I was offended. You know, I was like, how could this happen? How could this be, you know, oh my gosh, oh, you know, he hurt me, you know. And and I was walking around in this like spirit of offense, right? Like I'm offended, I'm hurt because he should accept my apology because he did X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z to me. And and my sister, shout out to Carlotta, um, my big sister at, um, at the church I attend. Um, she turned me on to this series uh, by Pastor Michael Todd about forgiveness, completely wrecked my whole per- perception. You know, I, I have been, and this is the most humbling thing to say, but I will say, I say this because God let me know, and it was just shown to me, the only re- way I can really elevate and move up is if I forgive and let go of the offense. Now, 
not only was I wrong, but it was like, I was not taking into consideration where he was coming from, how he felt. And then on top of that, it was like, I'm walking around with the fence for years. I was walking around with the offense from church. I was walking around with the offense from uh, the, the music industry. I was walking around with the offense from family, you know, walk, you know, just offense after offense after offense. Great uh, uh, metaphor he does in his ser sermon. But I realized I was like really wrong. Like, how do I expect God to give me a chance? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I don't give other people a chance. Right. So, you know, I've learned to build boundaries, but I've been so wrong about, I, I've been cutting off people because, you know, we I learned we all have that mechanism of, I, I want to hurt you before you hurt me kind of type thing. And um, I was wrong. Like, I was like really, really wrong. Not that my brother and I will come and have this, you know, kumbaya moment, but it's like, hey, the same way you're offended, he's probably offended also. Like, that was that was kind of like a tough one because I was really, I, I was really, um, I suffered a lot of hurt. You know, you know, life is like, people are going to hurt you. That's just a part of it. But I was just like holding it on. Like, they offended me. This person, I'm, I'm just offended. Like, you don't think of it. It's, it's just very... A very wrong mindset to have that that I am I'm truly humble, truly, <laughs> truly humble. <laughs> okay, um, you pick a number. Uh, I'm going go with seven. Seven. Okay. Let's see here. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself your life, the future of anything else, what would you want to know? I mean, honestly and truly, I can't really answer that one because I don't believe in a crystal ball. I mean, I don't. Okay, let me rephrase it. <laughs> let me rephrase it. If you could have the answer, crystal ball, a prayer, a prophecy, the answer. Like, if you wanted to know something about the future, what would you want to know? I would want to know probably how my children turned out and how the work that I've done to change and break generational curses, how it will be for my children and what they're going to be walking through as they become adults. If I, if, if I changed it or not, if I, did, if I really did my due diligence and changed the trajectory of what our family had been going through. So you want to know if you were a good mother, like, did you do a good job as a mother or not? Did it work? Yeah. Did did my efforts break those chains? I would want to know that. That's interesting. Why? I want to. I'm curious to know why. Um, because while doing the healing process, it's a very lonely journey. Yes. And when you're trying to heal, and you're also a parent, and you're trying to parent, 
you're teaching your children and more so you're teaching them from what you're not saying than what you were saying. Right. And so they're going to be a reflection of me and it's going to show whether I healed or not completely. We can go a little further because it's like, you know, what if they didn't turn out? What if they didn't turn out how you thought they should have turned out? Would you blame yourself? I can't say that I wouldn't. Um, but as a mother, like anytime something bad happens to your child, you're always going to feel like you're, it's your fault. Always. Even if you couldn't protect them from it. Yeah. Some form of fashion, you're going to feel like it was your fault. And see, this is why I have you as the co-host. I'm I'm kind of on the opposite because I have, you know, one. Um, I did not turn out well. I've done all right. I've 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 reclaimed my life, okay. but you know, I did I I made some choices. I I did some things. You know, we will talk throughout the show that you know at some point I had to let my mom know that that wasn't her fault. She she didn't have anything to do with that. You know, I I um I have a brother in prison. I have a cousin that went to jail. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that share that story. And I've had to have the conversation with their parents. Like, there's nothing that you did. You know, a lot of times, like, we blame the parents. Like, oh, she if she should have she should have disciplined him more. You remember that time she didn't whoop him and she just let him eat the candy? You know, it's kind of like, uh, would one have changed the, the other? Um, and that's something we can talk about down the road because a lot of people carry around um unnecessary parental guilt <laughs> yes so good answer before we move on i want to give a huge shout out to um to our one of our sponsors the Tava lifestyle can I, am i doing that right here let me see yeah right there right there Valet 30 Tava is a health and wellness company that is black owned. That is the Valet 30. That is a multivitamin with the biotin, um, B12, B6, magnesium, all the great stuff that children can take and adults can take the like. So you can look in my bio for that. But just shout out to Tava and um, the support tonight. All right, let's get a couple of, I'll, I'll pick the next question. I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with eight. Eight. <laughs> eight. What are you addicted to? Oh. <laughs> well, what did Whitney Houston say a long time? No, I can't even say that. I'm addicted to making love. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, Lordy. These questions, I, I, I don't even, you know, what am I addicted to? Um, oh, a good question, someone said. Man. Well, let, let, I have an addictive personality. Um, I've learned to find balance. I, I, if you've seen some of my interviews, I have talked openly about my drug and alcohol use. Um, and I can't say one, like, was it alcohol? Was it, was it drugs? Um, but really I was addicted to, addicted to covering up the pain to kind of go like on a, on a bigger, 
um, addicted to numbing, addicted to covering things up because, um, so for, for those who don't know, in my 20s, I was quite, I, I, I had left the church and a lot of pain, a lot of different things that happened. So um, I got introduced to um, different kinds of drugs, um, crack being the hardest that I did. Um, and it was really to, um, to cover up the pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really didn't want to feel what was going on. Now, the interesting part, you know, after drugs, I was addicted to working out. So like, you know, a lot of people saw me last year, I've lost all this weight, um, but I was like working out like, you know, two a days, working out, eating right, just, you know. And, and when I look back on it, um, I was like, oh, that, that's addiction, addiction too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, wow. Um, I guess, I don't know if that answered the question. I mean, it's it's your answer. I think you defined. Yeah, yeah. That that's what now. My, I, let's look up the word addiction. Let's just break all of this down. <laughs> you got your phone. You want to look up addiction? What does it say? Uh, let's see. Turn to your Bible. It says the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Yeah. So, um, at first, I thought like I'm addicted to this or this one thing, but then I I saw like how, you know, anything out of balance. Let me say it that way. Anything out of balance, right? If you're eating too much. If you're always, you know, I always got to, I'm always eating, I'm eating it, whether it's emotional, so I'm just always eating, you know, um, and it, that is, that is an addiction, right? You know, if you're, you're doing drugs and it's, and, and it's obsessive, that it, that is an addiction. If you are drinking to an access, that is an addiction, you know, but also now this is going to be something for, for some people, if you go to church too much, that isn't that is an addiction, you know. When I was a kid, and, and somebody said finding that coping mechanism, I remember as a kid we were in church eight days a week, you know, eight o'clock service, Sunday school, eleven o'clock service, three thirty service, and back to six o'clock service. Tuesday YPWW, Wednesday Bible study, Tuesday evening youth choir rehearsal, Saturday sunshine band and the sidewalk ministry. And then Friday, there was the occasional revival. And then Sunday, you did it over again. Um, you grew up coaching? I grew up coaching. I grew up coaching, yeah. You know, so, and looking, <laughs> shout out to all my coaching people. This, I love all y'all. Y'all know who you are. We go back. Um, yeah, you know, but it's like, you know, looking back on it, it's like too much of something is not healthy. Even um, not to say too much, you can you can exercise too much. The body needs to rest also, you know, and the midnight musicals. We can't forget the midnight musicals and anybody who lived in Southern California. We cannot forget the um, it was the Memorial Day midnight musical, which looking back on it is like, why were we out at midnight? What was that about? Don't forget the shut-ins. And the oh, and the shut-ins. We had yeah. shut-ins. We had the youth lock-in. Um, yes. And and all the convocation and everything. Um, but what I was what I was really addicted to was 
not being honest with myself and masking the pain. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of just pain after pain after pain after pain after pain that, you know, it was easy for me to just mask that pain with something. So yeah, that's my answer. You know, to piggyback on that just a little bit, you know, by being honest with yourself and when people decide to become honest with themselves in that instance, that's where the addictions will go down. They'll decrease because an addiction forms by trying to find a way to cope with whatever is happening. So it's like, yeah, okay, well, this is the fruit of something, but what is the root of it? And a lot of times people don't want to do the root. Exactly. We work on surface level and then we wonder why we're continuously repeating the same cycle over and over and over and over. It's, it's really- it, it tra- And it transfers in relationships. It does. It trans- you know, you go. Oh. Of your life. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, everywhere of your life. Exactly. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, really, you know, we'll, we'll get off this subject, but like, that that's what I found. It was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore, you know, but then, and really the exercise was like the eye-opening moment because I it was like I was competing to work out and lose weight. And I'm like, who, why, why am I, you know, going this hard? You know, like, if, it, you know, it was for me, you know, and some people was like, that. that's good, Daryl. But it was like, if I got off of work and I didn't work out or do anything in the morning, I had to work out that night. Like, instead of getting rest because I knew I had to work the next day or, you know, oh, I didn't work out this day. So I'm going to do two workouts and I'm going to go extra hard. and I'm going to do extra this or, you know, it's, it's just that whole thing to just cover up and not want to face what's actually going on in my life, which for me, it was just like, I had a lot of um, just a lot of family stuff, a lot of stuff I, I didn't want to really address. I thought if I moved away from it, I thought if I ignored it, I thought if I just neatly buried it, that that was like dealing with it. Um, and then I, I got to therapy and, and counseling and it was like, yeah, no, no, got to dig that up. All right. Hope that helps somebody. Let's move. <laughs> these questions. I should have looked at them before I sent them to you, right? I didn't even look at them yet, so <laughs> I would well okay. Choose a number. Whew. Um number two. Number two. Okay. Ooh. What would you like to change about your family? I didn't know we were going to have like a, a Yala fix my life moment tonight. What would you like to change about your family? Ooh. Um. <laughs> goodness. Okay, this, so this, this is good. They're getting to know us. There's a list of stuff that I would want to change. But if I was to put it in a nutshell, I would say... I would like to change about my family the belief that love and abuse can coexist in the same place. Because it can't. It cannot. You got to repeat that again. (laughs) Love and abuse cannot reside 
or live in the same place. It can't, it just, it cannot, it don't work. Okay, explain that. Well, a lot of women in my family have suffered domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Some shape, form, or fashion, but majority of it being physical abuse. A few of the men in my family have been the abusers. And in in both of that, I've come to understand that a lot of their examples of love was actually abuse. And so when they grew up and they learned better, or maybe they didn't, but they didn't do better, but it, it kept on going. And that whole, um, what is it called? The, the phrase, what happens in this house stays in this house has been something that has been used to make a victim hold on to a secret that they're not meant to carry as opposed to giving the person who created conflict or whatever he did reap the consequences of his actions. So he's going on and carrying on with his life and then the burden of the secret is on the person that everybody's telling them to shut up. Which is love, love and abuse cannot live in the same house. That was very that we gotta unpack that really quick. I thought of that song. What the lady say? You abandon me. Love don't live here anymore. I don't own the rights to that song. I'm just gonna sing a little bit of it because I don't want us to get taken down for that. But um like it makes me think of not just relationships in terms of like husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, but also like mother, daughter, father, son, families, just in general, like love and abuse cannot live in the same house. And then what you said also, you said the majority physical. So obviously I think we don't recognize that the level of mental abuse, um, um, verbal abuse, um, that was one of the things I had to kind of unpack for me. It was like, I, I had great family, you know, and there I, nothing I would take away from my mom for who she was and, and our family. But there were levels of abuse that I think is just what was the norm, right? It was, you know, it was the norm. If you did something wrong, grab the belt and just, you know, go to town and, you know, cause that's, that's what we did. Or, you know, with the men, men to the women, like, let me just slap her and shut up or let me just hit him. You know, like, what do you say to people who are going through that and they may not realize it or they're kind of like embarrassed and they don't even know like how to get out of that because they think it's normal, like love and abuse goes together. Um, My first thing that I say is to learn what abuse is. A lot of times people don't know that abuse is abuse because they've experienced it for so long. They were raised in it uh, in a toxic environment. So, you know, hopefully, prayerfully, if they don't know that they're being abused, they have somebody around them that is hinting at it enough to start making them aware of what them going through is not normal. So I would say that's the first thing, learn what abuse is, learn, you know, if that applies to your situation. And then outside of that, to come up with a plan. 
Because a lot of times when you're in that kind of abuse, you feel like the world, number one, has just caved from underneath you. Like you just feel like you're in an empty place. And um, to pick, to add to that, as far as embarrassment, is to not feel embarrassed. Because no matter the situation or how you ended up in it, their life matters and they are allowed the freedom to come out of it. And right. From it. And a lot of times, that a lot of, of victims, I know at one point myself, felt like we'd done something to deserve the abuse that we're going through. And so we've given up on the hope of wanting to get out of it. Okay, um, we got to pause right there because you just said something. We feel like if you are abused, you feel like it's your fault. Yes. Because I feel like there's some people out there who's going to see this on the replay, you know, they feel like it's their fault. So they don't even realize that what they're receiving is not love or it's their fault. Like, even if, well, you didn't do this right or you didn't have, have um, I asked you to do this and you didn't do it on time or you didn't do this to the kids. So, you know, it's my fault. Like if it, and especially for women, I feel like more than men, although it is prevalent with men also that there's a feeling of, if I hadn't have done this, or if I hadn't have provoked him, or if I had just ironed his clothes, or or done what he asked me to do, then that would have would not have happened. So they're living in this space of it's my fault. Is is denial a part of of the process to even realizing you're in an abusive situation? Um. I think denial will kind of go hand in hand with the embarrassment and the shame um, mm. because the shame of having to ask for help or maybe we were being rebellious when somebody warned us about said person. They're like, you know, this person, I feel this person's going to bat for you. Still go and do it anyway. And then the shame and guilt of going against the advice yeah. for a particular person, make them want to stay. I mean, there's so many different reasons, you know, somebody will stay. Um, but a, a huge number of people that I've talked to and shared ex experiences with felt like it was their fault. And um, I think I had, I had the revelation here again, past couple of weeks. Um, it was, it was, it was clear as day. It was like if God sent his son to die for my sins and these people's sins or whoever it is that we feel don't deserve his grace, if he sent him to die for us, for them, why is it that we can't forgive ourselves, even if we did mess up and walk away from something that can potentially kill us, take us off, take us off this earth or just have us in a place where we're being abused and treated treated less than like we don't matter and we're not human. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. We're going to do the last round of questions because I'm tired of these questions. I didn't know I sent these questions, <laughs> but before we move on, you know, I got a few shout, shout outs. It's the first show. Oh, one, I want to say, listen, 
if you want to be a sponsor, um, if you want to promote your product, your show, if you want to be a guest on the show down the road, hit me up at the DW Experience, or you can email me at the DW Experience 702 at gmail.com. Again, the DW Experience 702 at gmail.com. I want to give a huge shout out to Dr. Ann Mercer. Um, I don't know if you can see. Look, I'm, I'm learning to. You see these? Uh, there we go. These are handmade by Ann Mercer. You can look her up on on Facebook, and um, you know these these are for men, and she has them for women. But I just want to shout out, you know, all the people who blessed me with the uh, great uh, merchandise and, and things to to push. Um, so let's do the last round of questions. This has been 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 amazing. Yes, Ann Mercer, look her up. Amazing. So I have these ones. There's two of them. I forgot which what this one is called. Am I doing it right, Shakita? What they do the hand? I mean, you do it more so to cover the light and okay. Light, but okay. You're perfected in a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. This has been really, really fun. And I hope everybody enjoyed just to get to know uh, the both of us as hosts. We are going to have some exciting um, guests and exciting topics to, to talk about. And also, if there's some topics that you want us to talk about, um, you can hit us up at the same place and, um, you know, we'll, we'll work it into the show. We got some, some great stuff for you. Um, so last round of questions. I am going to choose... Whoa! What number am I choosing? Um, uh, did I do 12 yet? Uh-uh. 12 or 3. Am I going to do 12 or 3? 12 or 3. 12 or 3. Put in the comments. Should I do 12 or 3? Let's see here. Oh, Church Hama, that that's coming up. That's coming up real soon. I have a really good... Good guess for that, actually. I can't wait to share with you guys about that. Um, let's I do two story for that, too. Uh, oh, that that one, I don't even know how to compact that into an hour, honestly, because you know that that is the gift that keeps on giving. Okay, um, my boss said three. Okay, I said the, the 12 came after the three. Hey, yeah, so I'm gonna do the three. All right, okay. three. Okay. Two people said 12. Okay, so let's do three. I'll ask you your question, then I'll do 12. And we'll close out. So three. Okay. What is a place or event that transformed your ideas, thinking, perspective, or made you come alive in a new way? What changed? What the? Who, repeat that again. Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, repeat it again. What was a place or event that transformed your ideas, thinking, perspective, or made you come alive in a new way? What I have to say the first, one of my first studio sessions, that's the first thing that came to mind for, for some reason. Um, uh, he was the R&B artist turned gospel. And, um, We were at Paramount Studios in uh, Los Angeles, California off of Sunset, if anybody knows where that is. That's where all the, it was a serious studio session. And it was like, 
I was like, oh, this is real. Like it was, you know, I had sung before I had, you know, I, at this point um, I was going to college and actually my college started hiring me to sing at events. And I had ran into someone. No, I take that back. Actually, it, it was, it was the first record deal I got. I, I can even go back. It was the first rec it was the first record deal um, because um, I had been singing around in college and singing and uh, I'll never forget her name was Amy and she came up to me and she said, would you like to be in a group? I didn't think anything of it. Um, and then we, um, we ended up meeting at this studio and there were contracts involved and I started recording, but it was kind of like that moment where, um, it was like, oh, I can do this. Like, oh, this is real. Cause I, I knew it was real, but I had, my mom wasn't supportive. Like my family was, is a very like, you know, get a job, be an accountant, be whatever, but like get a real job and entertainment to them was not a real job. But of course me, I was like, I'm gonna do this. So when it actually happened and I did it, it was like, like, this is, I was like, this is like, even my, I remember my mom, you know, she was just like blown away. She like, she can't believe, she couldn't believe that I actually went out and got like a contract and was like, you know, recording. And then we had the song placed on the Save the Last Dance soundtrack. And then sometime later, I realized what the music industry, um, all of what it was, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but it changed my life because it was like, oh, I'm perfect. Like I'm, I, I could, this can really be a living. There's something I can do it, do in it. So that was probably the first life-changing experience. I feel like I rattled a little bit, but you got the, the gist of it. Yes. I was signed to a record deal. Yes. All of that stuff. Back in the day I could sing. I used to be able to sing. Oh, hush. You can still sing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question. What, uh, what's your, what's your, uh, uh, choose a number. Um, 19. Okay. Ooh. 19. Okay. What's the most impactful no you said recently? To my ex-husband. It was Woo! it was some some foolishness that he was <laughs> conjuring up. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not gonna join you in this argument. I'm not gonna join you in anything else. He uh, was texting me. First he was calling, I hung up. Then he was texting me, texting me, you know, a series of text messages. I didn't respond to any of them. And um, yeah, he did all of that. And then he does this on a Sunday morning before I have to sing. He always, every time I have to sing, is when he comes with the foolishness. And so I was just like, no, I won't join you. I won't be offended. You won't take me out of my space or character or my worship. And so- Yay! That's my and no. What did you say no? What'd you say? He's not gonna take me out of my character. I will well, not- Uh-huh, well, uh-huh. carry a fence. Like, no, no to everything about him and take Say that out. one more time. What'd you say? No, no. to being offended. <laughs> No. <laughs> that was a praise break. So, and 
<laughs> here's my question. Why was it impactful? Um, for so long, he always had the power. Mm. Mm. And where he will try to, where I would take just a bit of power back, mm. one area he'll try to go in another to con continue to disturb my peace and everything else. So yeah. I, you know what I heard of that? Your power is in your no. It is. Your power is in your know. Okay, last question. I'll do the last question since the DW experience. This has been quite, I, I don't know what I thought these questions were. <laughs> he needs to start wearing his scarf and drink his Vasia tea. Okay, we can't do all of that. <laughs> oh, okay, 12, last question, because the majority said 12. What chapters would you separate your autobiography into? Oh, wow. Wow. Huh. Wow. What chapters would I separate my autobiography into? First thing that came to my head before during and after. None of those count. None of those count. Why? No. What? No. Your autobiography is the beginning. Oh, absolutely not. That that does not. That don't work. Okay. 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 That, you know, uh, man, I, I guess, you know, it, it would probably be, um, I mean, I don't want to take a, uh, um, maybe some people could come up with it, but um, honestly, I, I, um, I don't know is not an answer, but it, it would probably be, um, okay. Something like maybe, um, I don't know. I, I'd have to think about that. I mean, I, I, the beginning, uh, uh, um, the, the chapters would probably be, um, Okay. What would be your biggest, what would be your biggest pain point that you would want to put in a bi autobiography? You know, I was, you know, it's funny you asked that. So I was thinking about it today because I, I was just really going through, you know, um, just thinking about family, the holidays, life changing and everything. And I kept trying to go back to like, where was the, where was the first offense? Like, where was my first offense? And I remember in, in school, in elementary school, I just moved to California. I just moved to the suburbs and I remember 
it was my first time meeting my dad that I can remember. And it was around the time, I don't know, I don't even know what he was in California for, um, but he was definitely on drugs. He was in a different space. And I was so excited for all the kids to meet my dad. I, you know, he was going to take us to the Air Force base and I was going to introduce my, you know, everybody to my dad. Cause I'm like, look, I have a dad. No, I really have a dad. Like this is my dad. And so he was going to take us to the Air Force base, you know, all of these things. He was at, at my, at, he stayed at my house. And the next day I woke up and he was gone. And that, broke my little that broke little Daryl's heart so tough that I I I cried I was embarrassed you know the kids were making fun of me so um love for dad dad's love gone wrong might be the chapter the beginning of the offense you know, but that that was like the the I think the first memorable offense where it was like no one could really understand. I think my mom was like pained for me, but she didn't know what to do. But I don't know what to call that chapter. But yeah. You know, and, you know, it's taking healing like I know it wasn't my fault, but boy, little eight year old Daryl that wanted to go to the Air Force base and take all his friends and show off the dad that it was just like, I mean, talk about, you know, right. a, 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 a crush, you know, well, we have made it to the end of the DW experience episode one. Shakita Lawanda, any any words, any any final words you want to say? This, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to more, but what do you want to say? This has been fun. And um, you know, I'm I'm just looking forward to openly talking about, you know, taboo subjects that keep people in bondage. Because, you know, while the Bible and church and everything is good and it's clear, um, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people need to see the raw and ugly truth to understand that even they themselves aren't too far gone from God's love, no matter what they've done, and to turn around and, you know, come back to God because, you know, he's our father. And unfortunately, sometimes we equate him to the natural fathers we've had on this earth and we miss out on our experiences with him in a positive way. But hopefully, you know, people will see that God gets the glory no matter what in the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, DW's final thoughts. Um, we have experienced and we're living in a world where what I am seeing is a lot of hurt people, hurting people, a lot of angry people, a lot of people bullying and saying mean things, a lot of attitudes and a lot of a lot of anger. And I'm really glad to be a part of, first of all, a huge shout out again to Pastor Jay Calhoun and the Anointed Radio Network, you know, being a part of, of the body that we are sharing encouragement. We are sharing love, light and God's love. And I just want to share this final thought. It actually came to me today. Um, 
John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, not your world, not my world, not the white person's world, not the black person's world, not the Republican's world, not the democratic world, not the singles world, not the Kojic world, not the gay world, not the, the white world, not the KKK world, not Paula White's world, but the world. For God so loved the world. Did you just choke right there? Yes, yeah, and Paula White too. God convicted me about that too. For God so loved the world. Choke them all. Right? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is that we have to remember that for God so loved the whole entire world, every single one of us. And if we want grace, if we want forgiveness, we have to be willing to give the same grace and the same forgiveness that we are expecting in return. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much. That is the first episode of the DW Experience. Wait, can I get a round of applause again? Can we do it? Thank you all very much. We will be back on next Monday at 7 o'clock. DW Experience on Anointed Network Radio. Shakita, thank you very much. You're welcome. All thank right. You. You're welcome. Peace. Thank you.